Welcome to this week's episode of The Square. I'm here with Jeff Bednar, who is the founder and owner of Profound Micro Farms and Profound Foods. And we're going to talk a little bit about micro farms, uh, vertical farms, um, maybe even a little bit about urban areas and, and how we could potentially grow food in space. But before we get into any of that, your background is actually in real estate. I know you do this with your wife. She has a background in telecom. How did you get to gardening? Uh, you know, it's kind of interesting. We, we went through um, a, a journey of watching a bunch of documentaries and learning about where our food was coming from. Yeah. We started getting real concerned about our health and well-being and what kind of food we were eating. And uh, we could see that there's the environmental disaster that monoculture is, uh, of, you know, the way we're currently growing our crops combined with that it's got less nutrition in it. And that's where we kind of dove off the deep end of digging into it. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I kind of often tell people, you know, we bought the farm before I'd actually ever grown a plant before. Really? I, no no uh, hydroponics experience, no growing experience, no farming experience, uh, you know, not even in the last couple of generations, right? So it was really just a, a leap of this is the direction we want to go and let's figure it out. Okay, so... Uh, I, first of all, because I'm a Netflix nut, what were the documentaries you watched? Man, is um, Super Size Me was one of the yep. first ones. You know, and then uh, King Corn. Um, you know, the, this would have all happened before. Um, is it Rotten was out? Yeah, Rot. Yeah, so this is before Rotten, but you know, we now we've seen them all, so they yeah. can all you know blend in there. You know, my kids are uh, ten and uh, well, actually now they're eleven and thirteen. So it was right right when they were real young is when we started watching those. So you know, ten years ago, somewhere in there. Okay, so before you decided to take this leap did you even have like like we have you know a couple of raised beds in the background at my house did you have any raised beds or anything so kind of funny story how we got into this so my uh i started learning i was like how do you know about food right so yeah. you, you actually start to grow it or you go meet the farmer so we right. started going to farmers markets and we started i said i'm gonna start growing food but i don't know what i'm doing so i got onto youtube and i'm like hey hydroponics and aquaponics yeah two cool technologies we could learn how to do this so uh, my five-year-old daughter at the time we took a kitty litter bucket and filled it with goldfish <laughs> and a little fish tank and a little pump in there, made a hydroponics display. We're growing some strawberries and, and that kind of thing. And that was, you know, six years ago uh, or six and a half years ago, something like that. And I, uh, hose popped out, flooded out the kitchen. We we're oh, doing it inside. No. And so my wife's like, hey, this is cool that you're growing and you're doing things with your daughter, but this needs to go outside. Yeah, not in the kitchen. And so then I was like, man, but it's Texas and it's hot. So yep. we wanted to build a greenhouse. Our HOA wouldn't let us build a greenhouse that was taller than seven feet. Yep. And I'm six, six, so it just wouldn't work out, right? Uh, so that's when we started thinking, hey, we need to find, get out of this HOA and find somewhere where we can actually have some raised beds. And, yeah. uh, you know, long story short, my my dad was riding his bike over to my house one day and said, hey, there's a property up the street, 2.6 acres. It's got some greenhouses. You should check it out. And, uh, you know, from there it was just, okay, here's the property. Greenhouses were already built. And, and we said, hey, let's, let's start a business. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so you, you mentioned both hydroponics and aquaponics. Give me the difference. Uh, so hydroponics is growing plants in water. Okay. Okay. And aquaponics is when you combine hydroponics with aquaculture. So okay. aquaculture is raising fish. Got it. And uh, in an aqu aquaponic system, it's a closed loop ecosystem. So the fish waste is what provides the fertilizer for the plants. The plants clean the water, goes back up to the fish. So it's closed loop. All you have to add is fish food and seedlings. So you're, you, cause you mentioned it obviously being in Texas and um, we're not, uh, well, not recently with all the rain we've been having, but traditionally we're not um, strangers to drought conditions. Is this something where you're having to constantly put water in? Uh, so it's a recirculating system. So, okay. um, and it's actually, so my family of four and our staff of 13 people on our hydroponic farm that's got probably around 50,000 gallons of water going at any time. My water bill is 150 to $250 a month, Golly. which is less than most of our neighbors who are, yeah. you know, they're irrigating their one acre lawns and stuff like that. That's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's extremely 
extremely water efficient. Well, and this really goes beyond just business. This is kind of personal for you. I mean, you've gone and gotten your master gardener certification. You um, are a certified permaculturist uh, designer. Yep. Um, what what goes into getting those kinds of certifications and, and why do it? Uh, it's time. So like I said, I didn't have any kind of farming experience before this. So um, I, I had a real estate company that I sold. So I actually had a little bit of time where I didn't have to get a job. Yeah. My wife had the corporate gig. So I took three years of being a stay-at-home dad and I traveled the country. The Master Gardeners program is just like it's time. A couple hundred dollars. It's every Tuesday for 10 weeks. And uh, the education that you get at Master Gardeners programs and is really, um, it's you know, it's more than just a high level. It's, sure. it's pretty deep. And then you also build a lot of relationships. Yeah. My first three employees were people that were in my same master gardener class. Uh, uh, and then the permaculture thing too worked out because there's all these people that have knowledge of growing things in North Texas that are now friends of mine. So I could go and ask them questions about like, Hey, you know, can we do an apple tree here? Can we do yeah. it? You know, and, and kind of expo- uh, experimenting and learning from the community uh, is one thing that I found that, that I'm pretty good at. So the more communities that you join, the more knowledge base that I can then call on. I, I had read an article that you there was uh, some real roadblocks to getting into some of the hydroponics and the aquaponics farming because it was hard for people that were doing it hard to get them to give you information. There was it was kind of very I don't know what the right word is, but they really wanted to hold on to to the knowledge that they had. Have you been able to um, find ways to both learn but then share that knowledge? Uh, yeah, for sure. That's so. That was one of the things that I found kind of interesting about you know. There's a lot of money going into um, hydroponics and vertical farming, and mm-hmm. uh, everyone's got their secret way of doing something, the secret sauce of the nutrients or their light mixture and, and that kind of thing. And that was one of the things that uh, I think if you raise six hundred million dollars to build a greenhouse, you need to have those secrets because your yeah. investors are looking for returns. But I have no investors. Yeah. So my thing is about disseminating uh, the knowledge and getting it out there so people can learn how to do this on their own. Uh, small scale farms is something I believe in much more so than very large scale farms. Uh, and then really just, um, you know, being completely transparent, I think, is the way the businesses will be in the future. You know, everybody uh, being able to share all of their information is how we're going to advance humanity. And it's not by keeping secrets and being tight with them, especially when it comes to something as crucial as feeding people. Right. Is it, you, you mentioned, you know, small, small scale to large scale. Is there is there a. Um, is there a, a a space at which it's it's not worth it? It's too small, or like what is what do you think is like the ideal space for somebody that just wants to get into it? Um, and it really depends on what you're trying to do. There's there's so many different variables that come into that. I mean, I think that on a home scale, like doing a, a uh, an arrow garden or a mm-hmm. small hydroponic thing in your house is really cool. It's fun to engage your kids and yeah. you know that kind of thing. Um, and then you next you need to think about it. if you're going to create a business of it, you actually want to not have a full time job. You need to be at a certain scale, and depending yeah. on how much money you want to make. Uh, I find that a lot of farmers don't actually figure out where the market is before they build their farm. They're like, hey, hydroponics is great. It's the future. People are going to buy leafy greens. Look at how many people are here. But they don't actually find out, like, which grocery store is going to buy from you. Mm-hmm. Are you going to sell at the farmer's market? Because they're not year-round. Yeah. You know, so how are you going to create that living? And that was, uh, you know, I built my farm that same way. It's like I knew what I wanted to do. I knew the lifestyle I wanted to live, but I didn't actually figure out the market. Luckily, I had a marketing background, which yeah. is a little bit different than a lot of the other farms that I see starting up. And, and so farming is just, you know, the micro farms is just part of what Profound does because you also are a big part of um, helping the community, helping chefs connect with the community around them. Yeah, so we've got uh, micro farm 2.6 acres. It's hydroponics. Most For the most part, we have some soil and permaculture as well, but uh, Profound Foods is our distribution hub. Uh, we created the food hub about two and a half years ago, so we actually have almost 60 farmers, ranchers, and producers that we distribute for. 
Uh, Pre-COVID, it was only to uh, chefs and restaurants. We had 130 restaurants in the Dallas and Collin County areas we were supplying. Uh, and then uh, when COVID hit, obviously restaurants shut down. So we launched retail uh, and started doing uh, free home deliveries to uh, select zip codes around near our farm. Uh, and then that took off where we were doing 3X, the business we were doing with restaurants because people were super concerned about food at the time and yeah, you know, there's sure. shortages and all that kind of thing. How have you seen the retail side of the farm that you created in response to COVID change? And what do you think the future of that is? Uh, so when we first launched right after the you know restaurants were shut down in Dallas, uh, we had a huge surge. Uh, and it also it had us had to reinvent all of our systems because we're used to doing wholesale cases of lettuce to a restaurant. Yeah. It's a lot different than an individual head to a customer. Not many people know. are buying cases of lettuce. No, no, exactly. <laughs> There's only so many heads of lettuce you can eat a week at home, right? Uh, so that's it's been kind of interesting because we had a huge surge and then we kind of figured out things. We had to limit our zip codes that we were delivering to because we just didn't have the volume for mm -hmm. it. And then now we've slowly expanded up. And uh, in the last six to eight weeks, we've actually seen our uh, retail home deliveries start to fall off a little bit. Uh, and that's really because people are going back out. They're going yeah. to restaurants or, you know, they're getting busy with kids sporting events. And, you know, my wife forgot to place an order last week through our own system, you know. <laughs> so it's just a matter of like, you know, getting those habits in place. Uh, and I think that, you know, in the future as we go on, uh, we'll continue to do retail business. And I think people are always going to want to support uh, local family farms and that yeah. kind of thing. Um, but I, we, for our business, we are going to be pushing back into restaurants and, you know, the selling things wholesale and in larger quantities is definitely easier. You, you mentioned that there were 100, 150 restaurants that you were connected with before COVID. How many of those have made it through? So out of our top 10 customers pre-COVID, five of them went out of business, never to be reopened. Oh, man. And so, you know, the 80-20 rule of our, most of our revenue is coming from those top 15, you know, 10, 15 restaurants, right. and five of them are just done. Gosh. So, it, you know, it was pretty brutal for the restaurant industry. Have you seen new ones come up? Yeah, that's actually kind of surprising. In the last, um, you know, probably five or six months now, there's been a lot of new places opening. Uh, and there's an employee shortage. So many of the restaurant service industry people left the industry when everything was shut down. They're not coming back, yeah. you know, for low wages and no insurance and stuff yeah. like that. So uh, all these new places that are opening are struggling to find people right now. So let's shift gears a little bit and talk about vertical farming. Okay. So kind of give me a definition of vertical farming because not necessarily all hydroponics and aquaponics is vertical farming is it no not at all so there's several different types of growing right so a vertical farming is typically going to be um, we have vertically stacked hydroponics okay so you've got different levels each level has a light on it and um, you know they have some farms that go up you know where you need scissor lifts and, and that kind of thing to get up to them wow. uh, and then there's also uh, farming on a vertical plane so that would be like a growing tower or something like that Got those it. are going to be a lot less common in commercial applications just because they don't function as well as stacking flat uh, and then a lot of the growing that we do on my farm is called deep water culture so that's where we build a big pond and all of the, the lettuce and greens are floating on top of that pond got it so with vertical farming um you're seeing some opportunities to actually bring that into urban centers. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, dollars per square foot. So real estate prices are high. If you're growing vertically, you're obviously going to be able to do a lot more, um, you know, plant sites per foot, per square foot. So with the challenge that's been out there for years, long before COVID, of food deserts and urban areas, um, how can vertical farming change that landscape? Uh, well, I mean, bringing the food to where the people are. It's, you know, it's, it seems like such a simple thing when you say it, right? So yeah. if you grow food where people are, then they can consume it there. And you've spent less money on, you know, food miles and trucking things from uh, in from all over the country. Uh, as we saw with the pandemic, you're also going to see a lot more food security because we actually have food growing here. So if the trucking lines get interrupted or there's gas shortages, mm -hmm. you know, any of those things, the food is here already. Uh, so that's it's smart from that standpoint. 
and then for the you know specifically for food deserts you know especially in south dallas there's there's a lot of people that cannot get to a grocery store so if you could put a farm near them with access to nutritionally dense uh leafy greens they're they're going to be a lot better off as well traditionally i think when people think of farming it's not something that's necessarily highly scalable or necessarily, I don't even want to use the word lucrative, but something that people would think about is more of a family business. You've always been in it. You already have the land. You know, it's it's passed on. Um, but you're obviously, I mean, you you mentioned having 13 different employees, and you're you've been able to grow and scale. How has is that because of vertical farming specifically? Uh, so for us, not I wouldn't say it's because of vertical farming. Honestly, it's because of the distribution network. Uh, so, you know, where the, the bulk of what we do and our business comes from is having, you know, helping all the other farmers. Uh, and to kind of speak to your, uh, your point about, um, you know, is farming profitable and that kind of thing, I have yet to meet a farmer that got into farming because they want to get rich. Fair enough. It, you know, you, you don't, you don't uh, go to school and, you know, learn agriculture and do all that because you want to get super wealthy off of it. Uh, at least, you know, they're probably out there. I just haven't met them yet. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think that, um, you know, having control for us of the supply chain was the key to being successful. If you're just growing something and you're dependent on whatever the market's going to pay you and you only have a small market to go to, I think that that's, that's where that, um, the model isn't scalable. Uh, but having the distribution there is, is where it's at. What is the, the biggest challenge over the last several years that you've run into? Oh, the biggest challenge. Uh, is finding uh, information out, is learning. So there's a huge learning curve, uh, specifically when you're growing uh, different weird things. You know, like I said, we grow 150 varieties, but that means that I've, I've probably tried five, 700, th- you know, seven or five or 700 different varieties of plants. Yeah. And, you know, you can't find why is this one deficient in, uh, you know, this particular micronutrient or, uh, you know, dealing with pest control. There's a lot of information that you have to spend hours digging in there and, you know, the guys on YouTube are not right most of the time. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, that's probably true for a lot of things. Right. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about the future. What, where do you see the, the future of vertical farming and maybe indeed the idea of just local farming? Yeah, so I think, um, I think vertical farming is going to be a huge part of our, um, where our food comes in the fu- uh, from in the future. Uh, and I also think that soil farming is going to be it is, uh, hugely beneficial. Um, and so a lot of people like to focus on hydroponics and they don't actually think about the soil thing because it's not as sexy. It's not as kind of cool as, yeah. uh, uh, you know, in the new, you know, LED lights and all that kind yeah. of thing. Uh, however, you know, we need to save our soils. Like that's the, the number one thing we need to be focused on. And hydroponics saves the soil because we're growing inside of a city and we're not bringing the, the um, uh, lettuce and greens in from Arizona where they're pumping up aquifer water in the desert right. where it makes no sense to grow leafy greens uh, and then trucking them all the way in. So I think that if we can focus on, you know, inside of cities doing urban farming, um, more than urban gardening, like more than community gardens, that's cool. I, I have a lot of friends that do community gardening. I think it's great. It's not going to feed people. It's not going to feed the, the city, right. but urban farms will. And I think the mixture of uh, vertical farming uh, inside of cities, as well as having, you know, big soil farms is going to be um, really a focus of it. And I think, you know, cities like the city of Dallas focusing in on sustainability and saying, hey, this is something we want to encourage and they can help pay for that. That's going to help bring those real estate prices down and that you'll be able to work in getting farms in the city. It, I, I got to imagine it also 
in addition to saving the soil and, and your example of, of um, bringing lettuce in from Arizona, it also allows you the opportunity to grow some of the things that only grow in Texas that are some of the native varieties of plants that you can't get anywhere else. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm like, so my farm, we grow 150 different varieties of rare culinary herbs, leafy greens, edible flowers, and microgreens because we're in a controlled environment. So we can right. grow lettuce year round because we've got big fans and coolers and that kind of thing. Uh, but we can also grow rare things that either don't transport well. So chefs can't get those things brought in because you know they don't last for a week and a half in a truck right uh, so i think that's another huge advantage to growing in a city are you seeing the chefs um you know uh ask for you know or want to collaborate on specific foods or grains or things like that yeah 100 so uh before covid we were 100 sold out to chefs and restaurants and basically they would tell us what they want we'd say cool we'll grow it for you it's going to take six weeks or eight weeks or however long it would and then we would grow that specifically for them and on standing orders so everything that we were growing was going somewhere. Huh. Now so, it's changed with COVID, but you know. Yeah. So now are you, I got I to ask, what's your like top crops, even re, maybe retail versus the chefs, the commercial stuff? Uh, so from my farm, Profound Micro Farms, the top crops are going to be, we have a lettuce mix where it's just red butter, green butter, red oak, green oak, uh, and it's a baby leaf. So it's grown petite um, and it's a living head. So the root ball is still attached to it. Oh, cool. So a chef could put that box into their walk-in and come back a month later and it still looks ex exactly the same as when we delivered it. Got it. Um, and that's our number one bit, you know, bestseller. Uh, secondly is our assorted edible flowers. We sell a lot to bars and restaurants and they'll use them in cocktails and garnish and, and that kind of thing. And then we have a farmer's choice microgreens. Uh, microgreens just being, you know, seven to 10 day old, uh, super nutrient rich, uh, flavorful plants. And they use them a lot as garnish. And uh, those are our three, the three big sellers for my farm. So you're walking through your farm. Yep. You know, after a long day of work, and you're just looking for a snack, what's the thing you're gonna, like what's your favorite thing that you grow? My absolute favorite thing is nasturtium. Nasturtium? Have you ever tried them? No. Okay, so uh, they're typically an ornamental plant. Uh, they've got round leaves. Uh, chefs love them. It's actually my most profitable plant as well. Really? Uh, so you can eat every part of it. So if the flowers are delicious, it tastes like spicy cotton candy. Cool. Uh, and then the leaf's got a little bit of like a horseradish bite to them. So you can put them on like literally any food I'll put them on. That's awesome. Yeah, it's my favorite. Well, now I know what I need to go find. And then I'll give you the second one okay. is we grow one called wasabi arugula. Ooh. So it's arugula, but tastes just like wasabi. Like if you eat it, you'd swear you're eating wasabi. It's spicy, goes, you know, hits you fast and goes away quick. I'm gonna have to come stop by. My wife's a big wasabi oh, fan. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's awesome. So let's talk a little bit further out in the future. What, yep. what do you, I mean, does this have implications for being able to take stuff even to other planets? Uh, yes. I mean, you know, space travel, we're going to be growing food, you know, you're going to have, unless you're you know, growing all freeze-dried stuff, you know, like yeah. to, to have a good quality of life, you got to be eating nutrient-rich food. Uh, so I think that um, absolutely we're going to see these things in space. They're already doing experiments. Um, I think that, um, you know, the, the more we find out about how to grow specific varieties and really dig into all of those micronutrients and all of the things that make a difference, uh, we're going to see a lot new, a lot more new plants come up. Uh, so I think we're going to see new varieties of things that don't, aren't even in existence right now. Uh, you know, they have LED technology out right now that'll say uh, you can pick the specific spectrum of light, let's say in Thailand, that, you know, in the mountains at this altitude is going to get these ranges of light. And you can have an LED light that will give your Thai basil that, that will actually be a different Thai basil plant that is exactly as if it was grown in Thailand. Golly. Like, it's wild, wild stuff. So the role of innovation and technology in this is, it seems like it's just growing and growing and growing. Yeah, it's nonstop. Yeah, absolutely. So have you 
dived into the mad scientist role with any of your vegetables or plants? So not at the scale we're at. So okay. we, being that we only have about 13,000 square feet of greenhouses, it's we just need to do production, get things in and get them out quickly. Yeah. So we don't really do any crossbreeding and seed saving. Um, it's a lot easier for us on a production standpoint just to be buying seeds to have that consistency. Um, that's definitely something I think would be fun to nerd out in the future and yeah. you know have a little mad scientist lab where we're crossbreeding different strains of peppers and you know that kind of thing. But uh, that's probably a little ways out for us. Awesome. Um, so, what do you? What are your? What are your hopes for both Profound Microfarms and Profound Foods? Like in the next five, ten years. Um, man, ten years is a hard, hard yes. thing to go with. But uh, you know, really in the <laughs> especially next, after something like COVID. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so kind of throw a monkey wrench in there. So, yeah. uh, really, what we're looking for on my farm is to expand just a little bit more to kind of a, a healthy size, which would be about fifty thousand square feet of controlled environment growing. Um, and then uh, right now we have our food distribution hub from all of our other farmers that's located off-site. And to bring that back on-site and have everything on, our, on one farm space. Uh, and then really just to have better penetration in Dallas, you know, to, to be able to deliver a lot more home delivery customers here. Uh, you know, currently we just have several thousand customers, but there's millions of people here. And I think the more and more people that start to realize that they can vote with their dollars on what, the, what they want to see as far as sustainability, supporting small family mm -hmm. farms, you know, that's all stuff that we can help, you know, deliver direct to your door. I love that you, when I was, I was looking at different, you know, um, different things on the Profound Foods and Farms website, I love that you have kept this human-centric uh, mentality in, in how you've pursued things because it, you know, it's, it's, again, it's one thing to think about growing food for yourself or wanting to make sure that you understand kind of from farm to table how food gets there and what the nutrients are um, and, and certainly the business side of it. But you, you have developed programs and tours and everything um, that are really focused on the humans in the local community. Yeah, I mean, our first goal is to make an environmental impact through our business. I mean, that's the, you know, the whole thing. And then there's also, you know, the healthy eating and the, you know, supporting the community. But really, it's all about the environment. So that's why we don't have any secrets. Because if I can have somebody else in some other city replicate the model that we've done here or figure out cool things that we've done, yeah. and then they're doing that in some other city, then we win and our mission is accomplished, even if we're not making money on it. Um, you know, so that's really everything that we have put together is inside of that um, mission and goal. Uh, you know, on our food hub side, we did not want to be a traditional food distributor. I wanted to make sure that we're telling the individual stories of all of those farmers and ranchers all the way out to the to the customer. So you're knowing that you're eating, um, you know, Cedar Ridge eggs and you know his values as far as how he raises his chicken, non-GMO feed, non-soy base. So you know every little part of that. It's not just a head of lettuce that you're eating. It's a profound head of lettuce. And you know you're supporting the farm and um, you trust the farmers making those sustainable choices for their own farm. And we're, I mean, we're, we're not talking, it, while it may be uh, slightly more expensive than what's in the grocery store, we're not talking about a lot more because yes. they're getting way more of the dollar than farmers normally get in the grocery store, correct? Absolutely. Yeah, and when we talk to chefs a lot, they're, sometimes they'll say, hey, you know, it's cheaper for me to buy, you know, lettuce from one of the big distributors. I'm like, yeah, how much of that are you throwing away? Because yeah. it's 30%. You're going to use 100% of everything except for the roots that we're going to send out. You cut those off, but you're going to use 100% of the product. So, yeah, it's a little bit more, but it's not 30% more. So yeah. they actually are saving money by buying our lettuce than uh, buying commodity stuff. Are you looking at all into being able – we talked a little bit about integrating vertical farming into urban centers. How are you – have you got any thoughts about outside of your the current farm putting it into other communities in the North Texas area? 
Uh, yeah, so we definitely are working with other farms that are interested in doing that. We actually um, operated, we're not currently operating it due to COVID, but we actually had a shipping container vertical farm at Legacy West, which is, oh, uh, really? yeah, if you're familiar with the area yeah. up there. So it's actually at the food hall. Yeah. And if you walk out the doors, there's 30 restaurants right there. And so we operated that for about a year, year and a half. Um, and uh, it was kind of a pain to have to drive over there and, and manage <laughs> that, but it actually worked really well to have a central uh, hub of where our farm was because that's where we outsourced all the sanitation and you know the seating and that kind of thing. We could use that use that farm right there next to the restaurants uh, and like walk outside and carry trays of microgreens and edible flowers down to the restaurants. That's awesome. So and I can definitely see some more distributed farming uh, being in the future of, you know, it's, it's hard to farm a very small thing, but if you have multiple pods in different areas, it's actually, it's a, it's a workable uh, business model. Is it something that you ever see going out of just like um, single owner farms to being something where, you know, like a Corgan or a company could have a floor of their building that's, you know, we're, we're rethinking, office buildings aren't going away, but we're rethinking how we use them is that something that could be integrated? Yeah, absolutely. I think that, um, you know, rooftop farms are, are a super cool concept. Um, you know, you guys could have a living wall of greens in here. Right. The catch is, is that you got to have somebody to maintain that. Yeah, Because it's enough. not, I mean, you, you've got raised beds, right? It's it's something you do have to have your eye on and a lot of intention on. Yeah. But that's one of those where if you have a, um, you know, a, a hub farm that can support those smaller things around, then you can bring over all the greens and do all the starts in one location. And uh, I definitely see distributed farming like that in the future. That's awesome. So you, you sell your real estate company, you have some time to kind of think about what you want to do next. You have so many different options though. And I, I get that you, you know, you did this research, you really had this, this desire to kind of understand where your food comes from and nutrition, but, but why, why vertical farming? Uh, you know, really it was about, um, food. So I wanted to grow food and I wanted to grow in the most efficient way possible. Uh, and I also knew that I, you know, didn't have the, uh, I don't have the strength and the ability to go out and work a 50 acre farm. And yeah. I wasn't super interested in running tractors and kind of doing that more traditional. So I wanted to do something that wasn't traditional and I wanted to be in a really good school district for my two girls. Yep. Uh, and, uh, you know, really was, um, I was intrigued by the, the novelty, uh, of the hydroponics and aquaponics in particular, because you could do so much in such a little space, utilizing so many, uh, so few resources. Uh, and that's really what kind of got me interested in that. Uh, and then, yeah, so one of the, one of the things for me uh, about where figuring out where our food was coming from and why I was so passionate about food and my wife was so passionate about food is I have a connective tissue disorder called Marfan syndrome. Mm -hmm. So, uh, it affects every tissue in the body. And at 36 years old, four years ago, I had an open heart surgery and had my aortic valve worked on and, uh, you know, cracked chest, the whole thing. And it was really just, you know, if we're going to have, um, health things and, uh, you know, I wanted to be around for my kids and, you know, eating healthy is really, uh, had me recover very quickly from that. And that, that was part of the whole, uh, why is, why is eating healthy important is like, well, what goes in is what makes up your body, you yep. know? So you, you mentioned your family, your family works on the farm with you. Like if this is not a, this is not a Jeff endeavor or even a Jeff and your wife endeavor. It's a full family thing. Yeah. So my wife has a corporate job. So she works on the evenings and weekends in her gardens. She's kind of got her specific spot where she grows all kinds of fun stuff. Uh, and then my girls are working every day, man. My, my, uh, 13 year old's doing 40 hours a week. She's saving to buy a, a 68 Chevelle as her dream car. And That's awesome. so we're encouraging that. And, uh, the, uh, my dad works for us. Um, he's worked for us for probably two years now. Uh, and he's kind of an open role where he just goes and solves problems and, uh, you know, makes art and stuff like that for us. But um, it's really, um, for us, it's, uh, we're building a lifestyle. So we want to be able to have the freedom, uh, you know, 
granted we're, we're chained to the farm a lot of the time and it's hard to yeah. get away but it's what we want to do you know well jeff thank you so much for coming and having this conversation with us i love not just you know kind of understanding the vertical farming a little bit better but just the focus on on humans in the community and and i'm i'd love to hook up with you in another year or so and kind of see where profound micro farms and profound foods is gone thank you so much for watching and uh, please make sure if you have any questions for jeff or or vertical farming in general, check out all the links in the description below. We'll make sure to, to link to his website and ways to contact him. Um, and if for some reason you're watching this in your car, please stop and pick up our audio podcast um, and just make it safer for everybody outside. Have a great week.